Hey guys, this is Rick coming at you with Weed to No Basis, the podcast for all things cannabis business related. Are you an entrepreneur? Have something you wanted to create, something you wanted to bring to life in the cannabis industry? Maybe you've always wanted to partake in one of the biggest industries in modern day history. This is the podcast to listen to. That. All right, guys, we are here. We're recording an episode of Weed to No Basis. And remember, if you're listening to this, it's because you two are on a Weed to No Basis. And as a reminder, folks, um, our audience, who we cater to, our, our ideal listener is that cannabis startup entrepreneur. Whether you're on the precipice of doing something, you're in the early stages, or you're looking for guidance. And so our mission is to, pr- is to bring you, I was going to say prescribe you, that's a hint to our next guest, um, cutting edge, what you need to know to be successful in the industry today. And today I'm super stoked. I got Dr. Dave, well, we have Dr. David Kunick. Um, all the way from, well, you're the East Coast, and I know you're traveling a bit. Where are you right now as we're recording this? Today, I'm in North Jersey. I'm about uh, 20 miles west of Manhattan. Nice, North Jersey. Now, here's the funny thing. As, I, as I've known Dr. Dave um, for, we've known each other for probably give or take about a year, but we actually met for the first time in New Jersey at a conference in November of 2019. That was our first um, face-to-face meeting, right? It was, it was. It's, it's amazing how many people you do conference calls with or just meetings with, but to actually finally meet in person. Yeah, it took us over a year to actually meet in person. It was. And, and you're in Jersey. That's, that's home. And I know that um, you're a busy dude. It was funny, but as a little aside, folks, is you can't see it, but he's wearing scrubs because he's about to um, deliver some hands-on patient care. Tell us a little bit about the kind of practitioner you are. Share with the audience. So, uh, by trade, a uh, doctor of physical therapy, a second doctor in healthcare management, um, but really a serial entrepreneur. I've been very blessed to uh, start 13 companies in the last 15 years. I was able to sell six of them successfully. And overall, I've started in total seven companies in the cannabis sector. And um, one thing I think is really interesting, especially in uh, Jersey, New York, is when people say, oh, how long have you been in the cannabis industry for? What, two, three years? I'm like, actually, it'd be 10 years this March 2020. And they go, what? <laughs> You've been in for how long? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I've had businesses in New England, uh, Oregon, Colorado, Nevada. So I'm like, I'm New Jersey slowly playing catch up. <laughs> it is. It's um, I, Jersey, I've only been there about twice, two or three times in my whole life. And the last time I was there was for this expo, the conference we were at, Real Cannabis Entrepreneur Conference. And um, I was actually, ple- I, I live in Texas, so if you feel like Jersey is a few steps behind, we're still kind of dark ages, but I was pleasantly surprised um, at how advanced it was in Jersey because there was, I mean, we were at an after party and there was marijuana present and it's just the thing. And it's still kind of mind blowing for me being a Texan to see that just in, in Jersey. That's what I mean, in Jersey. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it is, and it's also too. Uh, they take another step further is that you have a lot of small businesses, a lot of first-time business owners in that New Jersey, New York, even Philadelphia area, and they're ready for the explosion. They're, they're trying to get themselves prepared for when uh, things go to the next level out here in this area. Gotcha. I'm going to come back to that. Prepare for the explosion. And folks, if you hear me, I'm not looking at my phone. I actually take a tremendous amount of notes when I. Um, which is what you should be doing, especially if you're one of the startup entrepreneurs, is take voracious learning. But let me go back to, I'm going to go back to the preparing for the explosion. But before that, 
um, doctor of physical therapy, 10 years in the industry. Um, one of the things I took is you mentioned something on stage when I heard you speak, thinking outside the box, but let's go to UCS Advisors and Investor Relations, which is your company. So tell us what um, UCS Advisors and Investor Relations does. Sure, well, right off the bat, our company motto is where we help you achieve greatness and we help <laughs> your company achieve greatness. Because at the end of the day, we all have greatness within us. You just gotta be willing to accept it. And so UCS Advisors, Investor Relations, we're a three-tier company. Tier number one is we actually offer business advisory services to startup companies, to first-time business owners, to uh, first-time or young entrepreneurs. When I say young, I don't mean in age, I mean in experience. Um, there's a big need because uh, over 40% of all cannabis and CBD business owners are first-time business owners. And you know, you need some guidance, you need some help. Um, so we actually offer our advisory services actually by the hour. Um, it's something very unique that makes us different because we know from firsthand experience, you know, how tight your budget can be. So number one, we offer business advisory services to startup companies, uh, entrepreneurs, and just regular business owners. The second aspect of what we do is we actually work with both public and private companies with investor relations. We will work with their lenders. We will be their representative for them to actually deal with all their investors. Because let's just call a spade a spade. If you got more than five or six investors and you're the CEO or COO of a company, that's a lot of interaction you got to do with these investors and keeping up to date. Why not outsource that to a third party company and let them be the, your, the liaison for you and let them give the constant updates. So we actually represent companies that actually are their IR as well as we actually help them um, secure their financial goals. And the third aspect of our business is that we work with um, over 175 accredited investors around the country. We work with uh, accredited investors also internationally. And we actually uh, show them different deals that want to get involved in CBD, that want to get involved in cannabis. We also work with different funds as well as, well as with other um, uh, family wealth offices because at the end of the day, cannabis is only maybe this much of their business instead of being everything. And when that comes in hand, you know, they come to uh, places like us, UCS advisors, that have the experience. Our employees have the experience industry. All our employees have all started their own companies. All of our employees have either exited their company successfully or sold their companies as well too. So they come to us asking for deal flow. So we're really a three-tier company. One, hourly business advisory services. Two, working with investor relations, getting your company prepared to take IR, getting your company prepared to take money. And three, working with high net worth individuals and actually getting them involved in cannabis and CBD deals. Nice. And I guess just for clarity, um, uh, Dr. Dave, is, are you, does UCS only work with cannabis-centric companies or do you work with a broader spectrum of organizations? We actually work for a broader spectrum. And, um, and I'm th thank you for asking that question, Rick, because that's the one thing that people uh, sometimes always think we deal with just cannabis and hemp. 65 to 70% of our business is cannabis, hemp, CBD. 30 to 35% is everything else from working with microbreweries, working with uh, oil companies, working with uh, electricity companies, working with the electronic scooter company, working with water purification companies. And we've even dealt with gold mines, mineral mines, and diamond mines. And um, it's good because some of our investors are successful in a non-cannabis deal and they go, ooh, let me take some of my profits and let me throw something in some CBD or, or a cannabis company. And they, they feel more comfortable because they already made money on something else. And yeah. people forget cannabis and hemp goes hand in hand. And uh, here's a great example. 
I had a lighting company that dealt nothing with cannabis whatsoever. And they actually sold lights to Costco. And most of us have heard of Costco. I'm sure you have Costco down in Texas. Well, from there, they actually uh, want to branch out into the cannabis sector. From working with us, we actually were able to carve out 15% of all their sales now. It's all to cannabis and hemp companies. It was just a regular lighting company that never thought they wanted to get involved in cannabis or hemp. But, but they realized there's a crossover. And that's where it's nice. We can kind of bridge that gap together. Interesting. You, you shared a stat a minute ago. 40% of cannabis business owners are first-time business owners. And now you just talked about how you're, the breadth and, and the scope is beyond cannabis. Is that statistic, um, is the statistic that high in non-cannabis businesses? 40% of first-time business owners are, or cannabis are first-time business owners. Is it that high in other industries in your experience? No, no it's, um, it's the highest I've ever seen. Um, there's another uh, resource that said it's 44% of all cannabis and CBD owners are first-time business owners, which is still very high. But you look at every other business, like you look at medical professionals, you look at uh, blue-collared services, you look at... Um, no, even the larger corporations, it's just, you don't see this. I mean, you're maybe talking 10 to 15% of other industries are first-time business owners. And now you see this huge influx. And, and one of the biggest misconceptions, one of the biggest prefix ideas is, oh, well, Canvas is so new. That's why it's a first-time business owner. No, 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 no. That's not <laughs> the case at all. You know, it's a, you could have been a business owner doing another industry, and now you're branching up into this. I mean, look at myself. I, I, I used to own physical therapy clinics. I used to own personal training centers. Um, I used to own a merchant services company. I owned a newsletter company. Then I had a, a cannabis testing lab. Then I had a vaporizer company. Then I had an advisory company. Then we actually had a cannabis newsletter company as well, too. Like, it, there's so much overlapping there. So I'm curious about two things. One, um, is it because it's so easy to get into? The barrier to entry is low. And you mentioned at the conference that some people in when you talked about your business advisory services, some people realize that they're not ready to be in this industry. So why is it so, why 40%? What's the reason in your mind? And then I'm curious. Um, oh, you're talking about whether you want to be a business owner in this industry or just an investor in this industry. I think that was both. what you were trying to do. Yes. So, um, so great question about the 40%. And one, it is because it's low, it's, it's low-hanging fruit. People think it's very, very easy to get into this industry. Um, the other thing is, too, is that uh, you have a lot of people who might have grown cannabis or, or grown hemp, and they might have done it um, in the black market, and now they want to legitimize themselves. But when you're legitimizing yourself, that means you have to run an entire business, get incorporated, have the proper lawyers, accountants banking systems put up human resources employee handbook you know uh you're just you're having your operating agreement for your own business you know there's this there's a whole nother world it's actually doing everything the right way um but really is it's low-hanging fruit and people are like oh i can get involved in this oh i can get involved with this and they think and they see all the big money and they read all about the big money but what they don't read about is all the failures yeah. I mean, I mean, something we talk about at the conferences, when we, I use the technology stat, in the last 13 years, uh, less than 12% uh, of all technology companies have been acquired. That's not a high number. And a lot of people think, oh, if I start a small business, I'm going to get acquired right away. And that's just not the case always. 
Um, and that goes to the second part is, do you really just want to be an investor in this industry and make money? Or are you actually looking to do something? And that's where, um, you know, I talked about your company, like if you're gonna start a company's industry, and you can go back to charity, what causes are you gonna support? You know, what's your mission statement? You know, are you in this to more than just make money, but actually make a positive difference in, in people's lives? And to actually, you know, get a, get a, put a good product out there and have the good customer service. And um, when we sit down with some of our uh, people in this industry, we say, wait, hold on. Why am I going to go spend twenty or thirty thousand dollars on a lawyer, an accountant, and maybe start getting involved in this industry when maybe I should just spend maybe like a thousand dollars and talk to an advisor in this industry to see which way I should navigate, which way I should go? And what's interesting is right now, in the in this year alone, and I did the math. I actually did a statistic before this call today because I because I knew you were going to ask me this question. Is that Right now, 18.5% uh, of our clients who thought they were going to open up a business in this industry instead became investors. They realized they didn't want to deal with the, the political red tape. They realized they didn't want to worry about the employees. They realized that their three to five year plan, they didn't realize how much money they would have to raise overall. And when we talk about exit strategy, they just really want a certain number that they wanted to achieve. They wanted to make a certain amount of capital and they were very happy and thankful saying, okay, instead of going and, excuse my language, but pissing away all this money, instead I'm going to invest it and just be an investor. And that's what gives them their level of com com comfort. So I know it's a lot, lot a little long-winded answer, but I think it kind of addresses both questions for you. No, it does. And actually, and actually, Dr. Dave, I think this all, you know, you're the three things that you do um, the business advisory services, the working with public and private companies, uh, the IR piece, and then uh, which is investor relations. And then uh, you work with about, basically you said about 175 accredited investors, uh, angels, family money. So it seems like you cover the entire life cycle of, um, and I'm going to focus specifically on a cannabis entrepreneur. And mm -hmm. what you just said is that of the people who seek you out for op your option one, which is advisory services, do I want to spend my 30K and start something or do I want to spend my 30K and invest in something? You're saying that one out of five of them, basically, you said 18.5%, understand and realize that they want to either not enter or invest their money in an existing startup. And um, that's a lot. So and that's just in your experience. And, and I know you, you deal, you talk to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's, that's a mind blowing figure. And I've, I've seen this myself, my, myself. I've seen that myself as folks who um, they might approach me for some sort of mentoring or advising. And uh, what, when we really drill down to it, they realize they should never have spent that 30 K and launched their own. And yep. And then it's like, then what? You you have literally often spent thirty thousand dollars. It's not cheap to get into the industry to do it right. Thirty thousand. Wow, that's um I, that needs to sink into a lot of folks out there because there's a lot of ways to play in the industry without having to go open up a store or launch a line of tinctures and still create wealth um, for yourself and your your legacy. Exactly, and um and and here's a great thing, and I I talk about this. And something we're very proud of at UCS Advisors is that conference uh, uh, that you and I just were just at in November. That was my 14th cannabis conference I've attended this year. 14. Yeah. And that was the eighth one I spoke at. 
And why do I bring this up is that because we, we talk at conferences all around the country. We go and see what's out there all around the country. We don't pigeonhole ourselves in this one sector. And that's why I tell people like, hey, there's so much out there. People have no idea. And, you know, you talk about the 30 grand people come talk to you and this and that. Um, you know, for CBD companies, people that want to start up, I say, great. What's your end game? Like, how much money do you want to make? You know, what's your ultimate goal? And you ask that question, sometimes people say, well, I want to do X, Y, and Z. I go, great, you're probably need at least a half a million dollars. Oh, I didn't realize I would need that much. And then I'm like, okay, well, how much money do you really want to make from this? Well, at the end of the game, at the, at the end of the day, I want to make this much money after three years. I go, great. Instead of putting $50,000 in, why don't you put maybe 15 grand or 20 grand into a pre-existing CBD company, get part equity, and then also become a sales rep for them. So now, the better the company does, the, uh, the more money, you know, uh, the more the valuation of the company goes up. Therefore, your investment goes up. And then on yeah. top of that, too, you want to make extra money from doing sales. Great. Now you don't have to worry about designing everything yourself. You're selling the other company's product as well, too. And the better the company does, well, then maybe as well, too. Well, great. Now maybe they can make your own line. Because what people don't think about, especially in CBD, is as the FDA gets more involved. And actually, uh, as of today, I was actually just quoted in, uh, in Healthline.com about the FDA. Mm-hmm warning those 15, D, 15 CBD companies, you have to worry about proper marketing, proper labeling. Where are you getting your CBD from? Do you have your certificate of analysis? And even more importantly, let's talk about GMP, which stands for good manufacturing practices. A lot of people don't realize that as this industry starts evolving, you're gonna have more rules and regulations. So as things go up and up and up, you're gonna require to do things the way the FDA wants it. You know, whether you like it or not, and I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, this is why I won the Tough Love Award, but you have to think ahead of time because failure to plan is planning to fail. You're right. So the synopsis, so you said a lot of, those are gold right there. And you're referring to the recent FDA letter that just went out and we're recording this in December of 2019, but the FDA released a letter to 15 or 16 CBD companies. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the essence of it is they were, on the fringes or stepped over the line of their marketing labeling, some sort of... Um, they made false claims. They made, you and I are both medical practitioners by trade. They made false claims. You can't say something's going to do something when it really doesn't. And you don't have the science to back it up or they just have the data to, to back it up. You got to be careful if you're labeling as well too because they didn't label. Uh, uh, they didn't properly label what the product was and what was also in the product. And now pretty soon it's gonna, what's gonna start happening is the FDA is gonna come in and say, great, where's your CBD being made? Where's it being manufactured? And is it following GMP? So it's not great, you can't use that product anymore. You know, it's, Interesting. The, the rules and regulations are coming. So. Yeah, you, you're, you make a, I'm typing this in. Um, you're making a, a really compelling not, not the, what's what did you say the not you said i'm not being a debbie downer what was the award you won in, in uh, oh the Jersey? tough love award tough, tough love. i have to write that down. i'm not being a debbie downer I, I just i just give some tough love and and as we, we tell our hourly clients where we kind of joke around because we yeah. we know yeah. for first-time business owners we know for entrepreneurs your budget's very tight and for people who maybe want to get in this industry you have a tight budget and that's why we offer our hourly services because once again why not go spend a few hours and maybe like a thousand dollars and go talk to whether it's us or someone else, a business advisor in this industry to know all the different aspects. So you know what's coming down the pipeline. 
Um, a great example is one of our hourly clients went out and they spent $12,000 attending conferences all around the US thinking about what aspect they want to get into. They heard us speak at a conference in Boston. We, we meet after the conference. They're like, oh my God, you know, can we hire you? I'm like, yeah, sure. They're like, great, we'll pay for three hours right now. So they paid for three hours. And we literally sat down for three hours, went through everything. And they just went, holy shit. We spent $12,000 in seven months debating what we want to do in this industry. And literally for 800 bucks, not even. We learned more from you in three hours to figure out where we want to go in three hours than we did in $12,000 in seven months. You have to be kidding me. And I was like, you know, work smarter, not harder. <laughs> You're right. You're right. There, there is a, there's a lot of truth to smarter, not harder. And at the end, I'm going, we're going to make it easier for folks to cut to the chase and not spend all that money and go to all these conferences. We're going to give uh, the folks your contact info so they can get right to the source. <laughs> Just cut to the chase, work smarter, not harder. Um, you know what's crazy is therein lies an opportunity for folks like us who are on stages or go around and spread our message because since there's not necessarily a consolidation point or a, a leader or a place where somebody can go seek these out, um, that happens a lot is I've gone to all these conferences or I checked in all these books or there's no one place, uh, if you will, uh, where somebody can go and say, I need this information. Where can I go? For? Of course, there's Google, but the industry is that nascent is, mm -hmm. is um, it's hard to find those people, which is why we're doing this. So people now know Dr. David is out there and um, he's going to make the <laughs> well, well, like, well, like, well, here's another fun fact for you. Like, so me and my team, we did some recon work on other advisory companies. Um, we're not consultants because a consultant works on a specific problem retroactively, but we went out there and looked at uh, cannabis advisory and consulting companies in 21 states. So we looked at 118 companies, right, in 21 states, and 60% of them only work on, li on application licenses, and that's it. They don't work on anything else. Think about that, 60%. Then what's even scarier was, Almost 50% of those consulting companies have never owned their own company before. Because we would always ask the question mm -hmm. when we did our recon work, hey, how many companies have you guys started? Hey, what, what, what's your background? What have you all done? You know, because we want to, if we're going to use you as a consultant or advisor, you know, we want to know your track record. And it was very scary to see that. So 118 companies, 21 states, we did recon work on. 60% of them only worked on license applications. 50% of them was the first time ever business owner. And it was actually like 51 point something. So we're like, wow, there really is a niche. There really is a need out there. And, and the one thing being in this canvas sector for about 10 years, you know, it, back in 2010, it wasn't cool to be in cannabis when, you know, I was going out raising a couple, two to $3 million back in 2010, 2011. That was tough. That was really tough. You know, we didn't have all the Google. We didn't have all the public trade companies. There wasn't all this data out there. You know, it's, it's a much different game now. And it, the other thing is, too, it's, it's about being cost effective. And it, it's saying, okay, great. Don't make the same mistakes we made. Don't make the same mistakes that other people are making, you know. Uh, educate yourself. Uh, being a, a medical practitioner by trade, you know, you, they teach us in our code of ethics. You know this, Rick. It's about empowering our patients with information and knowledge and and that's what we try to do. We really try to inform people with information and knowledge so people can make an educated decision on what's best for them. Gotcha. All, all great points. I didn't realize that, that 60% simply were there to help them fill out an application, which is complicated. It can be. Oh, it is. It's extremely complicated. And I, and I give that just, 
And, the, and on the flip side, like um, our company works with a lot of law firms. And people say, well, why would a business advisory company work with law firms? It's because what happens is if you're a startup in this CBD or cannabis sector, what's the number one thing you get right away? A lawyer. Yeah. And then you start asking your lawyer questions. Hey, like, what do I do for this? What do I do for that? What do I do for this? They, the lawyer says, hey, I'm just your lawyer. I, I can't give you business advice on how to run your business. I'm here to, you know, make sure your business is protected, to make sure you have the right contracts in place, to make sure when you're accepting capital, it's done the proper way. But I can't tell you how to run your business. So it's interesting, law firms actually hire us to come in and actually talk to their clients, to actually go over this business advisory work. Interesting. Folks who are, for those of you who are listening, that is what you call legitimate outside the box thinking. So when one thinks about how do I advertise my cannabis business or gain more clients, we generally turn to industry specific things, journals, conferences. What you just pointed to is um, it's arguably somewhere where people wouldn't look. And that's with people well outside of the industry, but still connected. So um, something to key in on there, folks who are listening or watching this, is um, sometimes your mar best marketing tools or where you cast your net is not the ocean where you think it is. And so, um, very cool. I want to I go to your third point. You talked a little bit about business advisory services. Um, you made a clear distinction between advisors and consultants, which um, that glowed for me when you said that, because I always mixed them kind of, they were in the same mm -hmm. ball, but you clarified that. Interesting. But you talked about uh, essentially in point number three of what um, UCS advisors, uh, what your company does is you, you essentially connect companies who are looking for funding with people who have money, basically. Um, when, when a person or a company approaches you, let's just say, let's just cut to the chase. Basically, you, um, if I use my words, not yours, you're going to present a pitch to an investor um, and in hopes that the, the company looking to raise capital raises some money, what are the biggest errors or gaps or mistakes you're seeing with cannabis companies that are, let me put another thing, another thing on the table. I get about 10 LinkedIn messages a day. Hey, we're raising 5 million. And it's very yep. poorly written. It's, it looks like um, a third grader wrote it. So yep. What are you seeing as far as point number three? How, do, how does a company do it professionally? So uh, great question, and I get this all the time, is that uh, it goes back to failure to plan is planning to fail. Green nugget number one, we teach all our clients at UCS Advisors. What you need to do is you need to have a proper pitch deck. You need to have a proper exit strategy. You need to talk, in other words, investor language. Okay. Uh, well, a lot of times what happens is, is that you have this pitch deck, but it's missing some of the most basic information for an investor. Or you have a pitch deck, but it's lacking the subject of story, or it's lacking the objective data. Um, here's a great example. You get like all these messages on LinkedIn, all right? I get messages on LinkedIn all the time. And I say, great. They say, I need to raise money. I need this. I need that. And they go, I send you all the stuff. I they send it over to us. We go through our team. We say, great. This is nowhere even close to presenting to <laughs> any potential investor. How many people have you shown this to? Oh, I've shown this to like 15, 20 people. Great. How much money have you raised? Nothing. Well, there's a reason why. And this is where it gets really, really interesting. And I, I am not pitching my own company. I'm just giving people a reality check. And this is just kind of food for thought for people. You know, take, take your pitch deck and 
read it and present it to your wife or your partner or your spouse or to your best friend. And don't give any other information, just literally just a pitch deck and see what their reaction is. If they can't understand your clear message, how is some stranger gonna realize what you're trying to do, All right? And then the next step as well too is that people say, oh, I need to raise this money and we'll go through their deck and we'll say, hey, by the way, you need edits. You need help with this. You need to formulate this. And then they go, great, fix it for us. And I go, great, here's what it's gonna cost you. It's gonna cost me maybe five hours of work. Oh, I'm not gonna pay you that. And I literally say, and I joke around with people and I, and I, and I say this all the time and I go, so you want someone to give you a million dollars and I'm lowballing it here, just a million dollars, but you're not willing to spend a thousand or $1,200 of your own money to improve your deck, to improve your one page shoes. That's the other big thing as well too, is people think people have this huge deck, sometimes 30, 40 pages. And I go, great, show me your, your one page tear sheet. Summarize that 35, 40 pages and one or two pages for me. Ooh, I don't have that. Well, why not? You need that. Like a lot of people aren't going to go through that full deck, but you give them something that's one or two pages long. Oh, great. Can you do that for me? Well, yeah, sure. We'll help you with that. Oh no, I don't want to pay you for it. Just give me what you have. And here's a great example. There was a, um, uh, a new client and she worked for a huge, huge makeup line. And she has all these big makeup people behind her. And she was a beautiful deck, but they've raised, they've raised almost no money. And I go, great, give me, you know, your one page teaser. And the response I got back was, no, why don't you just send me three or four examples so I can copy and do it on my own. And, and then I said, and I said, no, it doesn't work that way. And I go, I'm so sorry. You know, the, you know, the, you know, this is something that people pay for as a service. Like we don't give that away for free. And then she's like, well, my advisory team can help me then. And I go, well, your advisory team has raised you less than $20,000 in nine months. Think about that. If your advisory team's so great and everything is so great, why have you only raised $20,000 in nine months? You're coming to me for a reason. And that's where I really tell people that are new in this industry where this is going to cost you money. If you were going to start up a, like a McDonald's or a Dunkin' Donuts, you pay a franchise fee for a reason because they teach you all that stuff. If you're going to open up a, a landscaping business or, or you're going to open up uh, some other type of small business in general, you know, people go out there and pay for business coaches or they pay for, they pay for mentors or, you know, they, they'll pay for extra services because they know they're going to need that help and guidance. But for some reason, this canvas and CBD sector, people are like, no, give it to me for free. And I tell people all the time, getting free advice only lasts so long. You know, it's yeah. not going to last forever. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions in this industry. People are like, oh, help me raise money. Help me raise money. It's like, I'm sorry, but you're not prepared to take on money. And then let's take it on a next level. Because I work with a lot of investors and I work with a lot of family offices, you know, it's also our reputation as a company. We're not going to show a company, uh, a potential investor, a deal if it's not ready, if it's not prepared, because then it makes us look poor. And that's what yeah. people don't realize is that you need to have all your ducks in a row ahead of time. And, um, and here comes the, ne the next part and for a piece of advice it, that I see a mistake all the time with uh, CBD companies and campus companies looking to raise capital. What is your true exit strategy? What's your three-year plan and five-year plan? And it's amazing how many people say, I don't exactly know. 
And I'm like, yeah. if you don't exactly know, how are you going to ask someone for $2 million, $5 million, $6 million? And more importantly, have you ever raised money before? Have you yeah. ever taken outside investment? Because once you take outside investment from someone, that's a whole nother game. It's a whole nother animal. It's also a whole lot of responsibility. Uh, back in 2011, 2012, one of my companies, I had 63 private investors. Think about that, 63. That's a lot of private investors. You know, and, that, and that's a lot of responsibility. And I've yeah. had investors who've died and I've had their kids fight over in the will who gets that investment. <laughs> I've had people go through bad divorces and, you know, and during the divorce, the investment comes up. You know, these are things, you, you know, that happen when you take on outside money. Yeah. You know, you're talking about... Um... What, what you're saying is spot on and I'm going to, I'm going to break it down in a couple of real simple ways because I've, I've experienced the same as well where, where folks um, in this industry will say, well, no, I don't, I don't really want to pay for that. Can't you just send it to me or just what you said, basically expecting free. And one of the things that, that I talk about is, you know, when I'm ever talking with clients or even on stage is we're, our, our business is a, reflection, a direct reflection of us. Think of a mirror. And if we are expecting people like you or other entrepreneurs um, to give something up for free, that is what we're going to attract. It's that, call it energy, call it our, our mantra, call it um, just our take on what business is. That's, I, can all, I usually turn it around and I'll ask folks, I said, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine you are in business and somebody comes and asks you for your product or service free of charge. And just think at face value, how does it feel? It doesn't feel right or good because you've earned that place. You're in a for-profit business. And while maybe there may be something you can offer, um, the fact is it's just, it's not cool and it's amateur. And I, I get that all the time as well. Um, we're, we are a, ref, a direct reflection, us personally, of what our business will be. So interesting stuff. That's um, and, and I'll take it a step further, Rick. I, I give the lawyer analogy. I go, you call up a lawyer, any lawyer. And maybe a lawyer will give you maybe 10, 15 minutes, of, you know, just a little advice. But then when you want that lawyer to review the contract or review a lease some, or something like that, the lawyer's going to say, hey, it's going to cost you a few dollars. And the person says, sure, no problem whatsoever. Do you think a lawyer is going to always do that all the time and just give away the service? Because it's also their name and their reputation as well, too. And yeah. they go, huh, I never looked at it that way. I'm like, well, it, that's the same exact thing here in the cannabis and CBD industry. And, and I also tell people, too, it's almost 2020. Think about this. This isn't 2010, 2011, 2012, back in cannabis where everyone was helping ev uh, everyone. On, there was a lot of pro bono work. It's not like that right now. You know, the industry is maturing. I mean, we have over 30 medical marijuana states. We have over 10 states that have recreational. Like, this isn't circa 2012 anymore. And that's the one thing I, I have to remind people all the time about it. And it's also, as you said, it's how serious are you about this? And how serious are you about getting involved in this industry? Yeah, I also love what you said about um, how you've asked, um, and I've seen this over and over myself, I can speak, I can testify to that, is you ask them what their vision is. What's, what does it look like? What's the exit strategy? One year, three year, five years, and they don't know, but they're trying to raise money. I, I like to frame it as, so basically you're asking somebody to stroke a check to ride your train and you have no idea where you're going. And I said, where's the logic in that? And they're like, 
I never thought of that. And I'm like, you should, because you're asking somebody. I like that. I have to use that, Rick. I like that train analogy. Train, train, or automobile. Yeah, it's like, it's like, hop on board. We're going to do great things. Okay, where are we headed? Well, I don't know yet, but hop on board. And that doesn't just, that doesn't fly with, let's say, the average um, smart um, person. Like, I, I, I wouldn't stroke that check. I'm, I'm not here to hitchhike for a ride to wherever you stop. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for, <laughs> I know what I want. Um, you know, we're, we're up to about 35 minutes, but I, I wanted to also touch on something you mentioned because we can't let this go by that you and I are both licensed providers. We're clinicians. I'm an RN. Um, I have a four-year degree. You have, you're a physical therapist. Um, um, we're also entrepreneurs, serial entrepreneurs, but I want to go back to the fact that we're licensed practitioners and yep. we are, we are both still, um, in, in the hands-on part. So we're, we're not totally removed. So what's happening now is there's, there's folks like us who have a license and we are advocates, proponents, not only of CBD as a consumable or as something that helps people, but as a business, what do you say, or what do you think about clinicians who are you know cro- put, putting the cross up or get away from me or that's evil or bad or you know um, how does how does that mesh because there's two sides there's clinicians MDs NPs PTs RNs who are like yes I want this bring it to my practice and those who are say absolutely not what do you say to the ones who are absolutely not I give them a very polite reminder to go back and read the medical uh, code of ethics. And I, and I quote two parts about the medical code of ethics. One is, it's our duty as a medical uh, clinician to uh, go out and do our research and to empower patients with information and knowledge. You don't have to be for it, but you still have to empower and educate, right? And it's one of those things kind of like when the doctor says, do you want to get surgery or you can do a cortisone injection or you can do this or you can do that, you can do this. Because they have to give you all the options. Right. And the second thing I tell them is this, is that if you read through the medical code of ethics, if there's a better treatment option out there that is actually against the, the, the laws, you're supposed to fight for your patients and be an advocate for your patients. Now, that's a little bit more extreme. I just tell people at the end of the day, you have a medical duty to empower and educate. You don't have to prescribe it. You don't have to tell them that to do it, but you have to give them the options. And here's a great example. Um, a lot of people forget, I still treat patients a few hours every week. And we get, especially doing outpatient orthopedics, we, get, we have a lot of patients post-surgical who are taking opiates. And they ask all the time, hey, should I be maybe taking something else? And we, we ask them, say, hey, did you talk to your doctor about using medical cannabis instead of an opiate? Did you talk to your doctor about what type of CBD you might wanna use as well too? after a surgery or maybe for some other condition. And they go, no, I'm afraid. I go, why? Well, I don't want the doctor to think bad of me. You know, I don't want the doctor to think I'm some druggie or some pothead. I'm like, wait, hold on. I go, it's your right. You can go to any physician you want to. And a physician is going to bust your chops or look down upon you as a patient because you're doing your own due diligence to take care of your body, then you should switch medical providers. Now, does that sound a little harsh? Yes, it does. But I will say being out here in New Jersey, the pharmaceutical capital of pretty much the US, is that you now see in the last two or three years, a lot of uh, practitioners saying, hey, I I can't tell you much about medical cannabis, but there is an option and I can maybe give you a referral to another physician that can tell you more about it if you'd like. 
which I kind of give a lot of respect to, 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 to those physicians. But to a, a medical practitioner, it's very much like this. Um, I tell them it, it's your duty. Read your medical code of ethics. You just have to do some education and empowerment. And you just have to inform yourself. Even if you're against it, it's kind of like, hey, there's a brand new way to do a, a, a total knee replacement. There's a new surgical technique. You might not like it. You may not choose to do it, but at least you've got yourselves educated about it. You know, if there's a new anti-inflammatory drug, you might not want to prescribe it to your patients, but you still learned about it. You still met the drug rep. You still got educated. That's what you need to do. Love it. I, I love those takes. I love that a very soft approach. Um, just read the medical code of ethics, which it's, it's true. And um, then all the way to the hardballish. It's like, we owe it. We owe it to our patients. And mm -hmm. if your patients don't like it and you're a patient, you have every right to choose a, a different um, clinician or provider. So I love it. And I wanted to bring that up because it's not often that um, there's double clinicians who are both in the industry, advocates, proponents, and I'm a consumer as well. So um, uh, we did, just on a random side note, just last week, we did a presentation here in San Antonio to a group of um, female practitioners. And their mission was simple. We hosted a dinner just like we would as a, as a pharmaceutical company, invited mm -hmm. them in. It was dinner, drinks, and a presentation by myself and a pharmacist who's also a um, um, CBD mixologist, if you will, with the company. And they were there to learn. They were there to do exactly what you said, and that's at least empower myself so I can make an intelligent decision as to, yes, I will ask, I will advocate this use for my patients or no, I've learned, I still don't want to join the, the fray, if you will. So really appreciate that feedback. Um, look, we're, we're at 40 minutes and um, this has been awesome. And I, I, have, I have a bunch of notes from that conference and so, many, so much <laughs> more I wanna tease out. But um, um, with respect to your time and the fact that uh, I don't wanna spill all the beans because you have a lot more to share about not just business um, and healthcare and especially how it impacts the cannabis industry and what you do. How can folks find you? Like website, Instagram, where's the best way? Um, so I'm going to give several options. One is the most easiest way, which is my website, ucsadvisor.com. And remember, it's uh, O-R. So it's A-D-V-I-S-O-R.com, not E-R. OR. So uh, the second way is my email. I'm, my direct email address is david at ucsadvisor.com. Um, and the third way, and I recommend this to a lot of people, is hook up with me on LinkedIn. Um, the power of LinkedIn is amazing. Um, we teach a lot of our hourly clients, especially when it comes to uh, raising capital, securing capital for the companies that the power of LinkedIn is there you will be amazed how many deals come through LinkedIn and how many contacts come through LinkedIn. So you can just re uh, uh, reach out to me, David Kunick, C-U-N-I-C -C is my last name. Uh, so those are the three best ways. Or if you want to call the office, uh, it's 201-252-7170. Perfect. And folks, those of you who are either watching or listening, these will all be in the show notes for our YouTube channel, also on WeedTube. Um, these will be bottom line is we will be posting this and sharing this. And by all means, if you have any questions, ask away. Um, if, if Dr. David doesn't get back, we will by all means make sure he gets some of these questions and uh, we'll um, get you guys connected. But look, folks, this has been uh, a very intriguing and thought-provoking and, and evoking episode only because 
the, the medical frontier of cannabis and CBD is even earlier than, in my opinion, than where cannabis is in general. There are so many clinicians who are hungry to jump in. And so I'm always really excited to get a fellow um, licensed practitioner who's in the industry and not just, um, not necessarily in the CBD itself, but in the advising and mentoring and connection part of it. So um, if you're watching this, if you're listening, folks, it's because frankly, I, uh, you're on a weed to no basis. You're, you're hungry, you wanna know more. Uh, make sure you leave a comment, you share this, you get the message out. This is absolutely free. There's no charge for what we do here. Uh, we're here to make, help you be a better cannabis entrepreneur or, and or investor now. And you know where to go, Dr. David Kunick of um, UCS. UCS. I said, we're, we're here to empower and educate. And Rick, you're putting it best. You know, on a regional basis, two two medical guys educating and, and empowering the public. And when people ask, you know, sometimes like, why do you donate your time to do these things? Like, like, why do you go and donate your time to speak at these seminars and travel around the country where you're not getting paid and you're literally traveling for your own hotel? your own airfare, everything, just to speak in, it's because it's to educate and to empower. And, yeah. and I tell people, I wear my heart on my sleeve, I'm a medical guy by trade, and it's always about empowering and ed educating. And it goes back to this message, that's why you're doing this, to empower and to educate the public. Let them know that, hey, you have options out there. You're, there are other people in the same shoes that are there to help you and to educate you. For sure, love it. I love it. Um, we may have to have you on another episode sometime. And I know I have a feeling we're going to bump into each other at an event here soon. But um, yeah. Dr. David Kunick, it's been a pleasure catching up with you again. Same um, here. Always a, always a fun time, buddy. For sure, homie. Remember, folks, if you're listening, if you're watching, it's because you two are on a we to no basis. Thank you, guys. Make sure you share this. Give us some love and likes. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Peace.